Hello captives and captive friends and welcome to episode 58 of the Global Captive Podcast supported by legacy specialists R&Q and hosted by me Richard Kutcher. First off I'd just like to say that I am positively glowing this morning uh, because I just got back from a fantastic in-person AMIC conference uh, last night Wednesday. 1200 people over two days and lots of exciting chats about captives as you'd probably imagine exciting captives getting rebooted existing ones getting rebooted and, and new captives being formed and it was really just great to be back doing all of that stuff in in real life and, and not virtually so full tribute to the whole airmic team for putting on an excellent show i know seekers coming up uh, next week as well in person i'm gutted i can't be there uh, because of i guess geopolitical reasons and not being allowed into the country uh, for whatever reason uh, but it does really feel like a big step forward towards a return to proper risk and insurance events and i think that's something we can all welcome and hoping to see many more of us together in Luxembourg at ECF at the start of November as well. But talking of in-person, I'm delighted to say that I'm in the R&Q boardroom for the second episode in a row, uh, and with the man himself, no less, uh, Paul Corver, Group Head of Legacy M&A at R&Q. Paul, uh, thank you for having me again, and, and how have you been? Well, good morning, Richard, and Captive Community. Well, it's a pleasure to see you, and in person, face-to-face. Obviously, the last 18 months have been very testing, uh, it's been great to see the events now kicking off. I, unfortunately, I couldn't make AMIC this week, but we did have a team down there in force from, from R&Q uh, talking to all the various uh, attendees. Um, and uh, I would also have looked forward to getting over to the States and was going to be speaking at AROC, which was the, uh, the, the runoff industry event there next week. But unfortunately, the restrictions don't yet allow us Brits across. One day. So uh, hopefully okay. that will change soon. Supposedly 1st of November, although I heard rumblings that even that date might now get pushed back. Um, yes, possibly, which will then create even more travel confusion yes. for people. Yes. Uh, well, look, maybe, maybe I should just start targeting a new year, uh, maybe Seeker in March or or the World Cup to Forum. But anyway, shortly we will be joined by Tobias Winkler and Andreas Brugel, who work directly for Delvag, the wholly owned captive insurer of German airliner Lufthansa. Delvag have been a target of mine to get on the pod ever since uh, we started the Global Captive podcast. It was really good uh, to have them on. Tobias and Andreas uh, were very, very generous with their time, insight and knowledge. And I hope you'll agree they provide a, a fascinating history and explanation of how Delvag is utilised in a variety of ways today and has changed and evolved over the years through through various different phases and strategies but more on that later paul you haven't been on gcp since i think early 2020 maybe summertime 2020 when we had a few conversations about the initial impact of covid on legacy business and, and legacy activity you know looking back now i know we're not over covid which probably never will be over covid but looking back now how has it impacted legacy opportunities and discussions with captives specifically I think general observation from the early impact of COVID last year, and I think we may have touched on it when we had the discussion, was the uh, financial impact on balance sheets of corporations and, and insurance and reinsurance companies, um, the hit to the financial market overall, but also the potential to carry sizable reserves of, uh, of an unknown nature of the impact of potential COVID liabilities. So there was a flurry of activity in the wider insurance market of companies looking to get capital 
capital relief by either uh, laying off and disposing portfolios of business to the runoff market or by simply looking at an adverse development cover that would then give them capital relief. There wasn't so much activity perceived in that regard with the captive community, uh, but certainly over the last 18 months, we have seen a consistent uh, flow of opportunities coming in from captives. I think the bigger impact has possibly been on the the time it has taken to actually convert an inquiry into a done deal. Uh, Obviously, a lot of corporations have had significant uh, issues with managing their business within the COVID crisis and attempting to do a legacy transaction won't have been at the top of the agenda. But now as there is an element of normality returning, we have seen a pickup in, in transactions. And I think what the COVID crisis has done generally is focused the minds of companies more on the effective use of their capital. Obviously, we've seen hardening rates on certain lines. We've seen some lines perhaps very difficult to even place. And there's been a big uptick in the number of captive formations and new lines being put into captives. And as I have said previously in the past, a number of captives have considered the use of the legacy market to then take the take historic liabilities to free up capital to redeploy to support those new underwriting lines that are being put into the captive so we are seeing an element of that yeah no absolutely and it was a topic on the agenda at airmic we're talking about new lines going to captives and, and one way to help fund that is exactly what you're talking about kind of re- releasing uh, capital recycling capital obviously the pandemic has had a variety of impacts on on claims activity across various lines you know some positive impacts you could say in terms of fewer claims some obviously more more claims do you think it significantly changed the profile of many of books of businesses or, or the way you'll assess them uh, certain legacy portfolios in the future i think the biggest impact will be understanding the impact of covid liabilities on any portfolio that is brought into into the legacy market for a transaction there were some portfolios last year that were coming in um, a couple in in my mind in the lloyds market where you know the the year of account had exposures running into 2020 and therefore potential covid um, issues and 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 claims could be uh, resulting from that so the market looked very hard and firm we we have either proposed um, a a sublimit or or a full exclusion on covid some parties have been willing to accept an exclusion but generally now we are hoping that the the position and clarity over the nature of losses the extent of the damages that might come through is getting a bit more certain yeah we're not looking at a latent position here um, albeit one area I suppose uh, a lot of captives will carry is on, is on workers' comp. And I know a lot of states in the US had, had sort of made it quite clear that um, if, say, for example, a first responder or a healthcare worker contracted COVID, there'd be an assumption it was in a workplace environment unless proven otherwise. So, you know, there is an impact in that regard. But in my mind, potentially the latency there could be with long COVID, which is hanging around. And if you have employees that are off for any period of time um, and have that cover under workers comp then that that will create a a longer tail exposure than just a you know the immediate um covid infection fascinating to see how it continues to play out i think we'll probably try and do uh, some more kind of claims activity focused uh, episodes next year as well so i think we'll get into that a bit further Uh, but let's hear now from our captive owner interviewees then two people who who you know well paul having announced a lost portfolio transfer with delvag in september and we'll, we'll hear more about that in the interview with tobias finkler senior director at delvag responsible for the underwriting department and the insurance lines of aviation marine and reinsurance 
and Andreas Bruegel, who as director for reinsurance is responsible for the underwriting of group risks, counterparty risk management and securing Delvag's outward reinsurance. Tobias, can you give us uh, some context perhaps on, on how and when uh, Delvag was first formed and its original purpose? Ah, it was a pleasure, Richard. <laughs> this will be a short history in German lesson. And <laughs> so everything started on August. Um, it's the 12th, or it was the 12th of 1924 when Delvac was founded. And the company was then called Aero Lloyd Aktiengesellschaft. In 1928, the company name was changed into Deutsche Luftversicherungsaktiengesellschaft. And translated into English, this means German air insurance, which sounds pretty strange. And yeah. But at that time, <laughs> Luftversicherung, so air insurance, was a common name for aviation insurance stuff here in Germany. And derived from the initials of Deutsche Luftversicherungsaktiengesellschaft was a word and brand Delvac. So that, that's how Delvac, the word, uh, was created. And back then, we had a wide range of activities, but our main focus was on procuring all the insurance coverages required for the flight operations. And back then, Lufthansa already benefited from, from us, from Delvac, in many ways. One interesting example is Lufthansa was the first airline in the world to introduce compulsory accident insurance um, coverage for its own passengers, which was insured by Delvac. Wow. So, um, and now the, the history uh, lesson, further milestones in our history. In 1975, we um, extended our underwriting activities to non-aviation lines. In March 1980, Delvac founded Albatross, which is the Innos broker of the Lufthansa Group. And in 1985, Delvac Re was founded, uh, which was our reinsurance subsidiary of, of Delvac. And in 2016, we merged Delvac and Delvac Re. And Andreas will speak a little bit more about this later on. That's great, Tobias, to have, to have the history. And as you said, we're going to talk about some of those specific areas later on but what i find fascinating there to buy is because we're going to be talking about third party and it sounds like you were doing in terms of the passenger insurance you know 100 years ago you were, you were doing that right from the very beginning almost so that that's fascinating how large then is Delvac today and how many staff does it employ the Delvac group like we um call it so Delvac and albatross has approximately 300 employees and just Delvac, the insurance captive has approximately 140 employees and we operate everything with our own personnel. So that's one of the um, differences between us and other captives. So we have almost everything insourced. And Delvac is domiciled in Cologne, Germany. And I have to say, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've I've not been to Vice, but I'd love ah. I'd love to come and have a tour of the Delvag operations sometime. And again, you know, Delvag is a unique captive, and that's going to come across, I think, in in this interview. Um, you know, many captives have zero employees, and obviously they're they're, they're different business models. So to hear about the Delvag operation, just a captive having you know 150 or whatever staff is is interesting. So obviously, Delvag is more than just your traditional single parent captive device. Um, but in terms of its role within the wider Lufthansa group, do, do you regularly review the captive's purpose and value? And, and how do you ensure that that purpose and value is communicated to the wider Lufthansa group? This is absolutely crucial in a fast changing environment. Do a regular review of the purpose and 
how do we communicate? So just let me give you one example. Um, and that example is our project RISE. In 2019, Albatross and Delvac started the Lufthansa Group-wide Project RISE, which was sponsored by the former Lufthansa CFO. So we had a high management attention. And the attention behind RISE was to strengthen Lufthansa's insurance risk management system. The results were to foster Albatross' role as a risk manager and Delvax as a captive insurer within the group. And RISE was a great project, actually. I loved it. And it's not just because Andreas and I had been part of it. Uh, <laughs> the speciality of RISE was the approach and the way of the collaboration within the team and with the different stakeholder for the project team. And we did not focus only on Lufthansa internal stakeholders, I mean, but we also identified other stakeholders right at the beginning and we included those into the project. And I mean, the most important were for sure the internal stakeholders within the Lufthansa group. But number two was the captive peers of ours. Number three, strategic broker partners. And number four, strategic insurance partners. And by the way, it's not a ranking, <laughs> just in case. And this 360-degree perspective helped us, helped the project team to involve all stakeholders and generate new ideas together. So what could be improved? What are current trends? best-in-class approaches, um, et cetera. And with this collaborative and quite transparent approach, we we achieved fabulous results. Actually, I'm I'm pretty proud of about that. And just let me briefly give you uh, some of the results. We restructured our property program and implemented a captive layer. We reinsured some of our credit card programs and travel insurances to Delvac. We started to reinsure international employee benefits together with two fronting networks and many, many more. Um, in total, we had over 25 ideas implemented after the project and generated a quite a significant financial saving for Lufthansa. And that's what the CFO liked most about the project, the savings. Yeah. So, and that was a quite a big and holistic review of our strategy and about our purpose. And then comes the, the hard part, the communication. Communication is key. And we presented the results from RISE in various internal board meetings. Uh, we explained the ideas, all the, the improvements to all the insurance coordinators within the different business units. So every business unit has an own insurance coordinator. We talked to all of them. And last but not least, we even have some Lufthansa manager sitting on our supervisory boards at Albatross and Delva. And honestly, this connects us even more into the Lufthansa group. Really, really good to hear. And it's interesting that such a mature, sophisticated captive operation as yours, you know, you still find great value in, in doing that kind of holistic review of, of what the captive is doing for the group and, you know, bringing in the property, for example, bringing in the international employee benefits. They're obviously significant, significant changes. Andreas, in, in Tobias's short history of Delvag, he mentioned Delvag Rook and the, the reinsurance captive formed in 1985, but then was ultimately merged with, with the primary captive Delvag in 2016 to become one entity. I appreciate, Andreas, you, you weren't there in 1985, but could you tell us what, what the reason was for first the setup of the reinsurer and then, and then the merger? That's true. I wasn't around in 1985 since I was born in 1883. So um, <laughs> I'm happy to take that one. By the nature of Lufthansa's business model, actually, 
Delvac traditionally has been committed to aviation and marine insurance since its foundation in 1924. And uh, reinsurance underwriting actually started in the 1960s, originally on paper on Delvac. Um, however, in 85, a separate carrier, as you mentioned, Delvac Rück, uh, was found since the reinsurance book actually outnumbered the direct side. And um, the, the, the predecessor of BaFin used that fact requiring Delvac to found its own reinsurance company. Back then, this separation actually did support the growth of the reinsurance book. But now, nowadays, uh, the requirement to have uh, two separate entities does no longer exist. And when Solvency 2 came into play, it was very clear to us that this means extra regulatory reporting burdens. Yeah. It would have meant that Delvac Delvac Re and Delvac as a group has to f perform the quarterly reporting separately. And this actually was one of the main drivers of the idea to merge the two companies back to one again and to perform the reporting only once a quarter. And apart from that, it is also a relief when it comes to solvency to ratio calculations and the forecast. And it also has a positive diversification effect between the direct and the reinsurance side. And uh, with one capital base, this is also less complex. And this move also feeds into a leaner corporate organization. So in, in 2016, as a logic consequence, Delvac Rück was merged into Delvac, then named Luftfahrt Versicherungs AG, and did form under the new name Delvac Versicherungs AG. And after the merger, the reinsurance business continued to be written on behalf of Delvac under the so-called trade name of Delvac Re. Okay, let's talk about some of the areas you're most involved in, Andreas, which is is, is obviously the reinsurance business. And, and there was an announcement earlier in September that Delvac had uh, obviously stopped writing third-party reinsurance business and and sold off the legacy of, of that business. Can you just explain what that business is and, and why did you decide to, to stop writing it? I guess, first of all, um, it's crucial to say, and uh, please let me clarify, that uh, we only cease to write uh, the third-party reinsurance business. So this Actually does not affect our aviation and marine department because they still write some third-party business. But coming back to your question, uh, in 2019, when the decision was made to cease writing third-party reinsurance business, the reinsurance arena actually was suffering from eroding pricing terms. And Delvac in its capacity as a rather small following reinsurance company had little to say to no influence on the terms and conditions. And with our rather small netline size of one and a half million euros, the profit margin did no longer cover the absolute acquisition cost for the business. So in this regard, still uh, still size matters. <laughs> yeah. And that's actually the reason why we stopped uh, writing third-party business. But uh, when you cease writing this business, you're still in the obligation to deal with the legacy. And in order to profit from no longer writing this business, we also decided to sell off the legacy business to profit from lower admin costs. Because um, as you know, I mean, the statement of accounts for the list long history is still coming in. So this move actually helps us to lower the internal cost when it comes to human resources. Like many other companies, even uh, Delvac is facing aging employees that are retiring or looking for an early retirement. So we're actually in the position to feature this in and we don't have to restuff our technical accounting team. So the headcount in this regards is going down and helps us on the, on the cost side. And uh, in, in actually in concert with the aforementioned advantages, uh, Delvac decided to sell off the according reinsurance portfolio. And from now on, it's actually the purpose of Delvac and the reinsurance department will concentrate on, concentrate on providing services as a group captive instead of being a primarily third party right now. 
That's fantastic. And so, Andreas, um, obviously, the transaction w- was completed with R&Q, who obviously we know well on the Global Captive podcast. H- how did you find the process of of selling the legacy business? Because I know it can be a, a long process. Um, and, and you've mentioned some of the benefits to the captive already in terms of things like the human resources angle and, and less administration needed. But is there other other wider benefits to the way that the captive is structured that it will have? Yeah. Uh, how I found the process, um, I guess the Prince would probably say interesting, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 kidding aside, uh, I mean, for the as you mentioned, it, it takes quite a while and for the organization, it was quite demanding, especially when you have a quite active book like ours. The most recent contracts of the transferred loss portfolio expired on December 31st uh, in 2020. And we sold the legacy uh, with effective date 1121. So this means that you still have a lots of movement in your reserves and the payout patterns, etc. So, so your your question regarding the, the process um, to give you an idea in in 2020, we actually started gathering all the data from the 60s onwards when we started writing third-party reinsurance business wow. until the end of last year and put together a kind of information memorandum for the markets. And uh, in the beginning of uh, this year, after having closed our books, uh, we just you know, had to kind of update the, the information memorandum and went out to the markets in mid-February. Uh, when we went out to the markets initially, we actually had um, eight markets that have been interested in our portfolio. And after the first due diligence, we actually received five non-binding offers. Um, then, you know, you have have a look at the non-binding offers and uh, we actually shortlisted three of them for the virtual, uh, for the final virtual due diligence. And in the end, as you mentioned before or earlier on, RQ actually did win the bid. Now we are just actually awaiting uh, Barfin's approval on a transaction, will, which is to be expected in the first half of next year. I guess I partly covered your question already when it comes to the to the benefit to the to the captive, but I would say the overall um, overall the transacted loss portfolio in which we reached economic finality will actually enable us to concentrate on our core business, and this is actually first we need to look after after Lufthansa as a captive. Uh, secondly, I would say I mean it also means for us that we could release substantial reserves and IBNRs respectively which helps especially in these hard times of Lufthansa. It leads to an improved cost efficiency. It actually strengthens our capital base. And as I mentioned just earlier on, we do not have to restaff our, our accounting department. And last but not least, it actually it actually makes sense and is in concert with the RISE project Tobias mentioned earlier on. And Richard, just let me emphasize one, one thing. And everyone from our industry who was involved in something like that in the past knows how much work how much time pressure and how much uh, threat this uh, topics bring. But but what Andreas and the project team did was was a fabulous job. This was really great. And I would say this was one of the best projects Delvac ever did in the almost 100 years history. So fantastic, Tobias. And, and thank you for that explanation, Andreas. I mean, Tobias, Andreas mentioned there that obviously, ultimately, that that project you know does support that the Rise project that you mentioned and the core business of Delvag being supporting the Lufthansa Group. So we've talked about historically the kinds of lines that Delvag writes. If we're looking today, Tobias, what insurance lines does Delvag write for the Lufthansa Group? And you, as Andreas mentioned, you do you do still write some other third party insurance in the aviation and marine sectors. Yeah. So our main focus is aviation and marine. 
I would say, and on a reinsurance basis, we also write employee benefits, um, travel, travel insurance, credit card programs, property. So almost everything, what, what are the typical captive lines, I would say. And then lastly, Andreas, obviously hard insurance market. Uh, we, I'm kind of, I won't say I'm bored of talking about it on the podcast <laughs> because it is extremely, it is an extremely important subject and it has you know, increased the relevance of, of captives in many cases. How has the the captive being impacted by the hard market and do you think are you utilizing the captive more as a result yeah absolutely uh, especially when uh, with the new alignment of the strategy and as you mentioned i mean everyone was facing the hard market but uh, especially looking at it from the reinsurance department's point of view in in 2021 we started writing e-business and in the hard market environment it actually helps us uh, to shift profits from the insurance to the uh, from the insurance market to the captive but uh, even more important uh, in some countries um, the, the external insurance market exited aviation risks and, and didn't underwrite even disability coverages for air, airline personnel even when we were talking about ground staff and uh, thanks to Delvac it was possible to keep up those coverages in place and we were able to help Lufthansa as an employer in those difficult times I guess this is really an USP um, uh, of, of the captive within the Lufthansa world. Apart from the EB business, we also uh, reinsure a property working layer to the captive, which led to substantial cost savings for the Lufthansa group since our colleagues from Albatross were not in a position to place it in the open insurance market in the way we reinsurance, uh, reinsure it right now. And um, another interesting fact is actually the, the, the financial insurances. Uh, we were sitting on the sideline uh, this year to step in if our Albatross colleagues would have faced capacity shortage for excess layer of in the DNO market. In the end, we found a fronting partner who would have written a bit a big share, which in turn would have been re reinsured to the captive as they were not willing to retain any of the business. And in the end, our colleagues have been able to find enough capacity in the market. However, um, I guess we will most likely face a similar challenge next year as the primary layers of the program have been written on a two-year basis and are to expire in April next year. So we will see if we have to step in in case there's not enough capacity in the insurance market. I would say as other big corporates or captives, uh, we have an interesting time ahead of us. The Global Captive Podcast is supported by RQ, the award-winning provider of exit solutions for legacy liabilities and companies in runoff. RQ can provide a wide range of solutions and has A-rated paper across the United States and Europe. LPTs, novations, business transfers and acquisition are all frequently used and tailored to the seller's requirement whether in runoff or fully active but seeking greater efficiency. If you have legacy, you should talk to RQ. So welcome back to the Global Captive Podcast, where I'm joined by Paul Corver of R&Q. Paul, you've announced two high-profile captive transactions uh, this year, the acquisition of General Electric's Dublin Reinsurance Captive and the LPT with Delvag, which, which we just uh, just heard about there. I guess this, this demonstrates, does it, the, the variety of options available when captive owners are looking at restructuring their captive or, or altering their insur insurance strategy. It's not just 
sell or not sell it could be various portfolios that you're offloading sure yeah and it does it does demonstrate that exactly that there are various mechanisms for these for the exit solutions as we have seen in the case of the the General Electric's disposal of their company in Ireland. That was an outright disposal, um, which we were very pleased to work with with that, that firm and take on those uh, those liabilities within that company. And uh, Delvag obviously is different in, in entirety, uh, a straightforward reinsurance out of a captive that is very much active and very much growing and moving forward, but just looking to, to streamline operations. They've taken that decision, as you've heard just now, to remove themselves from third-party reinsurance risk um, other than where it related to sort of marine or, or aviation. Um, and they are now very much solely a captive having removed that. Um, we are following up that lost portfolio transfer with an with a insurance business transfer to take the portfolio completely out of out of Delvag across to our A-rated carrier in Malta. Um, and that will give them the full exit and finality. Um, we are pleased to say that we've recently just completed a similar transaction and transfer with Allianz in Germany to take a portfolio of their reinsurance business across to Malta. And that was a very strong um, proponent of us being successful with, with the Delvag opportunity, uh, along with us having the A-rated carrier to receive it, which obviously gives the regulator comfort in the financial strength of the party to whom the liabilities are being transferred. So. It was great working with Tobias and Andreas. It was a very good, constructive, smooth process um, and something that a lot of other captives could actually learn from um, and also the brokers. Yeah, and I, I just, yeah, I'll say again that Andreas and Tobias were fantastic in explaining some of the detail behind it and, and, and the benefits it's brought the captive, you know, going forward longer term. I think it's something that, in theory, is something we've talked about on the podcast uh, last year. So it was really good to really hear that, you know, th- that that real life example of it being put to use and how they're looking to use their captive going forward. And of course, I should also mention the, um, you know, the, the, the work done by Gar Carpenter, who were initially putting that transaction out to market. And and our sort of col- close colleague, uh, Jens Zizou, who works for Black Forest Reinsurance Consulting, who, who works primarily for us on, on M&A transactions in continental Europe. So it was great, great teamwork all around, but very good having the, uh, having the focus from the captive themselves. And um, so obviously we talked there about you know two quite high profile companies you've you've done transactions with in, in the past in the past year. Um, where do you see most potential opportunities going forward in the captive space specifically for more of these kinds of transactions and acquisitions? You were still, as alluded earlier, we're we're still seeing a continual flow of opportunities. There is. Um, a, a split between the, the, the LPTs along the likes of, of Delvag, where they're looking to get protection either for a discontinued class of business or a portfolio that is no longer of interest, or, or in this case, just simply third-party reinsurance, so not related to the captive risk at all. Uh, but also, we are seeing opportunities that are coming out of corporate restructuring, and we're expecting to see an uptick of corporate M&A. There's a lot of press about that generally as we're coming out of the COVID crisis. Um, and come Companies obviously who then find themselves with multiple captives uh, will look to perhaps streamline those operations and we've certainly worked with corporates in the past in that regard but also companies that have made disposals but still carry the liabilities of the operation that they've disposed of within the captive and similarly we've provided reinsurance solutions to take that economic risk away so so the uh, the, the company has got the full finality from the entity that it has uh, disposed. 
So when we met for a coffee a few months back, I think we were, it was one of those periods where we were finally allowed out again and allowed, allowed to meet people and, and be sociable. Um, we were speaking very briefly about um, targeting exposures that have been left on the corporate's balance sheet. So that's the, the corporate captive owner, or they, or they might not even have a captive at all, but on the corporate's balance sheet themselves. So is this a, a new line of opportunities in, in the legacy space you think that, that you're interested in, but also that corporates should be considering? It certainly it's, it's something that's been around for a while, but it's taken taken um, time for corporates and the market to sort of get their act together. And it's always a, a brave first move as well by a company to look at packaging up their um, uninsured liabilities uh, and move them on. And you know, we we were pleased to have been involved in a in a process this year, although we weren't the successful bidder in it but um, you know, uh, I imagine a lot of people will be aware that ITT Corporation had had segregated out their asbestos related liabilities into a subsidiary called Intelco um, and that that went through a sale process and it was actually Warburg Pincus uh, the sort of investment fund that picks that up rather than a, than a true legacy player um, and I think a big driver of this other than just shedding themselves of the of the obligation to continue to manage the litigation associated with these asbestos claims is asbestos is still a dirty word across a lot of the market and especially in the investor space and we've seen companies that have managed to remove their asbestos linkage have seen a significant uptick in stock price so there is a there is a definite advantage of doing that um, and it is an area we're seeing an increasing interest in the US and also in the UK um, yeah, we're in a number of conversations with, with corporate entities and their advisors with regard to potential disposal and removal of liabilities, not just asbestos, but uh, certainly in the UK, some old employers' liability exposures where perhaps there was insufficient insurance cover or the insurance cover is now not responding. Um, so yeah, that is that is picking up. Yeah, interesting one to, to watch this space um, on. Um, and then, then finally, Paul, uh, the other bit of a news out of R&Q recently was that R&Q announced the formation of a Bermuda sidecar this year as well. I know a lot of the captive press picked up on it. I wasn't entirely sure how directly relevant it was uh, to the captive space. Can, can you explain for us the purpose of this vehicle for R&Q and what impact, if any, it will have on your, your captive legacy business? Sure. Uh, I'll try and keep it as, as simple as possible. But basically, I mean, R&Q is a listed company. We're listed on the London Stock Exchange on the alternative investment market. So when we are addressing deal size and, and bringing more opportunity and transactions into the company, we're obviously having to manage our capital and the requirements we have from regulators to, to hold appropriate capital. And over the last four years, we have been out to the markets, either equity raising or, or sub-debt. Um, and that, that is a process that you know, obviously takes some time. It diverts attention from other priorities and initiatives. So with the sidecar, we now have a vehicle with 300 million of capital sat behind it that is basically on demand for us to, to, to attach to transactions. So we will be seeding 80% of every transaction that we bring in will be seeded across to that sidecar, which is a completely independent vehicle from R&Q. It's not in the group structure at all. There's no linkage in that regard. Um, and that 
means that we're able to transact um, potentially quicker because we don't have to go through a fundraise to support a large transaction. But certainly the feedback we've had so far from the market is very positive that they see us, it increases our firepower, it enables us to, to compete on larger transactions, which is the intent. Uh, and that will continue through the life of three-year underwriting period of this sidecar. Um, and then you know, assuming the success that that will be, which I, I don't doubt we'll then move into Gibson 2, Gibson 3 thereafter. So a new, a new model really to, to give us that capital firepower without having to keep going to the market to raise new equity. Good. And this, this the world of sidecars and collateralized reinsurance is, is a world I really do need to uh, educate myself on a, a lot more. But that was a helpful starter, I think, uh, for me and I'm sure for, for some listeners as well. So, uh, well, thank you, to, thank you to Paul Corval. I'll come back to you in a second, Paul. But thank you to Andreas Blugel and Tobias Winkler uh, from Delvag for, as I said before, a really fascinating captive owner interview. So uh, thank you to them. And to Paul, thanks again for coming on to GCP and as ever, your continued support. Well, thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure to support and I continue to enjoy listening to the podcasts going forward. So well done. Stay safe, stay well, and see you next time, captives.